Hey everyone, Paul here, and I wanted to jump on before the show to talk about our upcoming trainings. We just completed our last training this weekend, and it went exceptionally well. We're super excited, and we can't wait to do it again. And our next opportunity is going to be on October 14th, and the one after that is on November 4th. Now, on those two dates, we have two different classes that we're going to be offering. The first one is going to be our beginner course, which is five days, and we also will be offering an advanced course, which will be two days. Both classes start at the same time, just the beginner goes for a few more days because it takes a lot of work to learn how to do the lashes the way we do it. Anyhow, if you've been doing lashes for any period of time, let's say six months or longer, the advanced course is perfect for you. It's where we will teach you how to do what we do. Our clients go on average four weeks between appointments. We really are aimed at a high-end kind of client, so this is the perfect class for you. And if you're a beginner and you want to learn how to do lashes, we're going to teach you two techniques. So this is actually a great opportunity to learn the basic classic that everyone teaches and all over throughout the industry and most of your times we learning how to do our technique which will allow you to attract a much higher end client charge higher prices and just do fantastic work now we still have openings in our next two classes so it's not too late to give us a call and sign up there's a couple ways you can get in touch with us first you can dm us at lashcast podcast on our instagram account or you can email me personally Paul at IntegrityLash.com. And if you don't remember any of this, you can just call our main salon number, 626-437-4000, and leave a message, and I'll get back to you within 24 hours. And by the way, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask those questions, because I know this class is a little bit different than what's out there, so you may have some concerns. I'd be more than glad to deal with those. So that's about it. That's all I have to say here today. So why don't we get started with the show? We love lashes and have a passion to see our industry grow and thrive. In our podcast, we will discuss ideas, explore trends, share secrets, debunk myths, and encourage one another. I'm your host, Paul Lubers, and I'm the general manager at Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. Welcome to LashCast. Welcome back to another exciting episode of LashCast Podcast. I'm here with my two amazing hosts, Erica and Tusney. Welcome. Hello. Hi. We today are going to do something we've been wanting to do for a while, and that's going to be talking about really how we do business here at Integrity Lash and what model we follow. But before we do that, we had a couple, one shout out, and then we also wanted to answer a question from someone who DM'd us. We do get DMs all the time, and often we'll just write them directly back, because it's usually a very specific question that's unique to their problem. But sometimes they ask questions that are a little broader that fit our audience, and we will always bring those and share those. And sometimes we will have episodes where we will try to go directly just deal with questions all day. So if you do have questions, please feel free to answer or ask us, I should say. No, you can answer them too. It makes my job easier. Answer but, your own question. Yeah, answer your own question and send it to me, and I'll go, okay, good. I'm glad to have it figured out. But that said, you can send us questions, and either we'll DM you, we'll save it for one big podcast, or we'll do these one-offs here and such. So first, let's do the shout-out. Tessie, you had someone you want to yes, do a shout-out uh, to. this is a little bit belated. I am a little bit embarrassed. My manners need improvement here, but I wanted to say thank you so much to Lashes Del Sol. We ran into them at the Cosmoprof show and got to meet Lulu and Marisol. They have three salons in Arizona and so generously sent us some samples of their product, their lashes, and some glue and the cutest little spoolie that I think is great to sell or give as a gift for your clients. Let me just describe it. It comes in this clear tube 
and it's like a, a metallic pink. It looks like a magic wand. It is like a magic <laughs> wand. And, and part of it is like, remember those things that you had when you were a kid? They were like the little wands that had like the water and the sparkle fairy dust in it. Well, this is channeling that. It's got a little clear spot that's got some pink little crystals in it that makes it really cute and girly. It's like glitter. But it's weighted. It's like the size of a, a long pin, and it's got a cap to it, and it's just a fancy spoolie holder. But it's something that makes you feel real girly and pretty as you're putting your stuff on it. It's got uh, their, their brand on it, Lashes Del Sol, but it's really cute. So I've never seen one like this before. No, that's super very fancy. Isn't it super fancy? fancy. Yeah. It's $100, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> well, it feels like $100, right? It feels like 100 but you yes. probably get for a reasonable price. Or maybe it's one of their giveaways they give to their new clients. Who knows? It's, uh, it looks really cool. Yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you to Lulu and Marisol for sending that our way. And I apologize that I did not say thank you earlier, yeah, but thank you. You jerk. I know. <laughs> so where do we find them? What's their Instagram handle? Do you know? Well, I know that you can find that at Lashes Del Sol. It's Lashes. D-E-L-S-O-L.com. Okay, that's their website. I'm going to guess Lashes the Soul is also their handle. Yes, and as Erica is telling me, and we're just having things in the background falling. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we're, we are right now cleaning out our training area completely. Uh, it doesn't look like it, but we cord right now in the back room. And this area is going to be in a week and a half, well, when the train starts. By the time this podcast plays, the train will be over. But this will be our training area, and it's a mess. It's a disaster, in fact. We're surrounded by books, papers. It's like hoarders. Hoarders, yeah. It is hoarders. Yeah, it's an episode of Hoarders. is about to be filmed here, I think, later tonight. So anyhow, it's pretty nasty, but it's going to be cleaned out and look great. Uh, when we're all done for our students, they'll be here in a week and a half. Anyhow, that What's all the next said. Question? The next question was actually it was you. You had a question from a. We don't know the name of the person because we lost the we DM. We can't find it. We can't find it. It's from the tomb of the unknown lash artist. Yeah. And so this person sent in a question asking us, and I'm going to paraphrase because mm-hmm. I again I can't find the DM. I paraphrase feel Paul. Go paraphrase for it. Paraphrase Paul. PP is my name. And, <laughs> oh gosh, that's so bad. All right, so going on. She was wondering, what's this deal about glue that is for volume versus glue that's for classic? Is there really a big difference between the glues? Do they need to have both in their Mm -hmm. arsenal, so Mm -hmm. to speak, I guess, in their setup? Or can they just get one glue? Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? I like this question. Um, I kind of equate it to shoes as I was trying to describe this to our audience. So let's say you go to the store and you see a pair of high heel shoes and the label on the display is prom shoes. These are shoes that are great for the prom, right? We all know that you can wear them for the prom, but you know if you've got a shower to go to or something else where it's going to fit, you can certainly use those shoes, right? It's not just limited to the prom. And in the same vein, that's how I think about the products that we use. I kind of want you to think of the tools that we use as like paints that we have in our paint box, right? So if something is marked, it's just a place to start. If a glue says it's great for volume, try it for volume. But you're not breaking somebody's rules or the lash police are going to come knocking on the door if you use it to try, you know, uh, a classic lash, it's there for you to try, explore. That's one of the ways that we approach lashes. Just if it's a tool, let's just try to find the parameters of what this tool can do for you. And it's not limited to what it is marketed as. So there is no right answer. If an adhesive uh, that's marketed for volume works for you to try it for classic, go for it. I always say push the boundaries, try it, try it until it fails. Yeah, but you're not limited by the label and don't worry that somebody's going to knock down the door and arrest you. That's going to be me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's a new job. Yeah, PP. PPP. Flash police, Paul. Yes, there we go. Yeah, so anyhow. So, okay, great. I like anything. I think for us, 
always with our answers, it's a personal preference. And when you find what works for you, go with it. Uh, everyone's going to say they have the best products. Everyone's going to say they have the best brands. Everyone's going to say they have the best whatever. And that's their job because they're trying to sell stuff. And I don't blame them for that. It's nothing evil or bad about it. But at the same time, you got to find what you like. And you can find, if you find a glue that it's like 10 bucks and it works great and it's good for the client, doesn't do anything weird fume wise or like that. Go with the cheap glue. I mean, go for it. And if you find, if your client likes those big fat lashes that are kind of ugly, but your clients are like, I love that look, then go for it. You know, yeah. it's, it's really a personal preference and what you're trying to aim as your brand and your company and your look. And we're not here to judge you and think you're somehow bad or right. immoral it for your is, choices. It's an amoral decision. It's not, you know, there is no right answer. It's what works for you. It's just a preference. Yeah, exactly. I think it does kind of speak to the concern that I feel like I'm seeing a lot lately that there really is like lash police out <laughs> there. <laughs> and I think it's because sometimes when people say that when they've found a way that they feel like works the best way, all of a sudden they say that's the only way to do it. And don't you dare mm -hmm. think about doing it a different way. And yeah. so I almost like feel this girl's heart because I'm like, oh, right. she doesn't know like exactly what Tess was saying. If it works for you and, and your climate and with your clients, then great. Use it. Go for it. Yeah. I just, I feel like we're here to say there are no lash police. Yeah. Wow. To all the dreamers out there, go and explore. There is nobody that's going to stop you from saying it's wrong or right. There's no danger of that. Yeah. The only thing that limits you is your own fear, your own trepidation. Like I'm breaking some lash law. There are many ways to skin a cat, many yeah. ways to put on a lipstick, many ways to cut a potato, right? There's many ways to do lashes and it's not wrong or right. There's just, you know, what's right for you. And I think this goes into a deeper issue and that is a lot of people allow fear Mm -hmm. to dictate how they do things. They get this inner voice or really outer voice a lot of times. It's other people and what they think they're saying about their work or what they're doing. I know Gary Vee hits on this a lot. And if you're not a Gary Vee fan, you should definitely check him out. He's a little crass at times, but he profane. is profane. Yeah, but he is profound in what he says and his intentions are the best. And he really, I think, encourages people, the right people. <laughs> Some people take great offense to him. I think you think he's a egomaniac kind of guy, but he actually, when you get past all the fluff and the bluster, you're going to see a guy who really cares about people and about you succeeding and you growing and being your best version of yourself. And I think he often tells people, you know, you got to stop worrying about what other people think about mm -hmm. you. And you too many times make business decisions based upon what others think or what our parents might think or what our spouse or our kids might think. And we know down in our heart, this is the best thing and it's going to win and it's going to be a success. You just got to hang in there and wait for it to happen. And it's, so don't worry if you use that weird glue or you use that weird product or that no name brand that no one knows about, it's there's okay. There's no shame in that. No, there's it, no shame in it. It's kind of like saying, okay, butter. Butter is bad, right? Like butter is high in fat and, you know, people who are trying to avoid dairy, you know, you don't want to do butter. But let's say you're doing a, a keto diet. Let's say you're doing a high-fat diet for it's the purpose. Friend. Yeah. Then you want those kind of high fats, right? Or let's say a sweet potato, right? Oh, a sweet potato is a carb, right? But, you know, if you want, are looking for certain kinds of carbs, that sweet potato is great. It's just... There is no good or bad. There just is. And it's, if, does it work for you or not, you know? Yeah. And there are principles that you need to hold by and not, you know, 
<laughs> like it's not good to take clients or be late to your appointments. There's best practices. Those mm-hmm. things are brought right. And those are going to pay out by you not having a good business. But there's other th- decisions you need to make that are, are completely yeah. removed and void of any bad side effects. Like what products you use yeah. if you find the one you like. So My encouragement is just don't let anybody ran on your parade. Yeah. Explore all the avenues that are open to you. Exactly. So, yeah. all right. Now let's get thank into. Thank you, anonymous. Yeah. Yes, well, you. not anonymous. Yeah. Just... Our, our... No, our tomb to the unknown last artist. Yeah. I right. think that... our, our homage. Homage. Yeah, to that. Even though she's not dead, she's quite alive, I'm yes. sure. But <laughs> all right. So our last person is bringing up our topic for the day. And Lash Lady 7, someone that we've DM'd back and forth. She's been a big fan following our podcast for a while. And so shout out to her. Thank you for this question. And she basically asks, and this is again paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, but she just asks, what is team-based pay? I mean, what is that? Why should we even consider it? We talk about all the time in passing. We've never, I think, given you guys a straight explanation. explanation. So that's what today's episode is. We are going to talk about what is team-based pay exactly and why you should consider it. By the time this episode plays, there's a good chance that the team-based pay conference will have happened. But if not, if you hear this before then, we might try to bump this up because I think time is of the essence here. You guys really, when you're done, I hope you might consider going. It's going to be expensive because by the time this is out, the tickets will be like $1,000. But I can assure you that it is definitely worth the price of the mission. You will be challenged to rethink how you do business. So let's get into it. What is team-based pay? Tuss, did you want to share... Well, um, for you, May, what's team based pay for you? What's it been like to go in and get into this new world of really? It's not, we say pay, but it's really a different way of running a business. Right, right. Well, team based pay, first of all, it is a lot of hard work, but that hard work equals freedom. One of the things that I found frustrating with commission, the commission model, was that it tended to create a certain kind of culture. And with that commission culture, certain things came with it that I just wasn't all that thrilled about. And that's part of the things that maybe we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. What are some of those pain points for other business owners out there? Some of the things that we'd come across were, it was almost like a feeling of being held hostage. I knew that I wanted the company to be able to provide the highest level of customer service for the guests. Why? Because I wanted, you know, the, the business is built upon repeat business. We want them to keep coming back. And creating an environment where the customer's needs are really taken care of would create a great incentive for repeat business. But I found that it was challenging to do that with the commission model. Yeah, with the commission model, what it really does, and we've seen this, is that people build their business in your salon. Mm -hmm. You know, you have basically a team of stylists, whether it's hair, lash, doesn't matter what type of thing, just in beauty. And they're building their own business. They're thinking, I'm in the salon for this time, and I'm building it, and they're going to hold you hostage. And I've heard this from other lash stylists, as well as other salon owners. In fact, Strategies shares a lot of stories of where basically your staff comes to you, and they say, you need to give us a bump in pay or we're all leaving. And by the way, we've rented a store across the way. Then we're going to move our clients over there. And that's because they've been building their own business and your businesses during that time. So as a team, you're not building right. a company. You're building 18 or 16, depending on how many chairs or how many rooms you have, individual businesses in your company. And they are always a threat to walk out and leave and completely destroy the salon. And by the way, this cycle repeats itself. So they go and they open up their place. And then what happens to them? 
they have a bunch of employees that come to them a year later and go, well, we're going to go down the street and open our place if you don't give us our demands. So you basically are held hostage. And I know that I've talked to at least four or five lash lawns I know of. They've had these conversations with their staff. We've had in the past these conversations with our staff. And it's a horrible place to find yourself in as a salon owner because you're not trying to do anything bad. You're trying to build a company that supplies for everyone's needs. Just because you all work together in the same room, you're working shoulder to shoulder, doesn't mean that you all have the same goal. If everyone's on a commission model, their only incentive really is for them to do well. Yes. A commission employee is going to look at her schedule and just look at her one column. Mm -hmm. And she's going to look at that throughout the month. How full am I? There's no concern for her. Why would there be? She's not paid to make sure or to even be concerned that the person working next to her has openings in the schedule. It doesn't matter if the salon is busy or not. It only matters what she's doing. They call it the silo mentality, that you look at your column, as Mm -hmm. I say in your books, and you'll look at your schedule and say, oh, wow, I have a full day. I have five clients today. I'm fully booked, or nine clients, whatever is a full book for you. And then, like you said, there'll be two other staff members working, and half for one, and the other one has zero. Like, everyone canceled, and they have zero. Now, in the traditional salon, the person that has a full book is like, Hell yeah, I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. Screw you guys, I'll be busy, deuces. And then one other one's all like, well, I'm kind of busy, at least it'll be a decent day. And that last person just sits around all day in the break room reading magazines and, and smoking a cigarette going, okay, I guess I'll just hang out, maybe I'll go shopping, uh, whatever, no money, this sucks. And then they mm-hmm. think about quitting at some point because they're not being paid for their work because they're only paid through commission. They're only paid when they're actually working. And so the problem with the commission model you know, really only one person wins. Mm -hmm. With team-based pay, what's beautiful is that full-time booked person sees the other people and they realize their only way that they're going to make more money is everyone in the salon Mm -hmm. is busy, when everyone's winning. Because what happens is, you know, the new team member, they start helping make money for the company and that money goes into the kitty for the company and the company has more money to give pay raises and to pay those who've been here longer. They benefit for the longer they're there, the more the better they get paid. So this is how your rock stars can really do great money in a team-based pay while they are not only thinking about themselves anymore, they're going to be pushing those new people to get busy. They're going to be referring to their clients and say, hey, if you have a friend who wants to get in, I'm booked, but I have another gal on our team who's awesome, and you should have them come in and see her. Right. And so your team is now pushing everyone to get busy, and the slung grows quicker because you have everyone pulling for the, the company versus the typical silo mentality. In fact, usually they say when you're just a single operator, you want to have a wait list. Your goal yeah. is to have... I have a wait list for two months, and I'm not going to share any of those people with anyone else in my right. salon. Well, because what's the incentive? Why would somebody who's got full books invest and try to train somebody else? Because yeah. it's going to take money away from her time that she could be doing services. Yeah, so when a client cancels, so, they know me, they can fill it because they have a wait right. list. So why would she invest in somebody else? Can you explain, because you've said it a couple times, the silo. What is a silo? What well, the silo mean? is just your, when you look at your column in your book, you, you start, let's say you come into work at nine, and you work till five or six, and you just see each of those appointments line up on top of each other, 9, 10, 11, 12, it looks like a silo. It's like one single row of people. So that's a silo. That's what, when we say silo mentality. While in the team environment, you're going to look at the whole book. When someone comes in, like Erica comes in today, looks at the book, she wants to see everyone busy. 
not just herself, because if she's the only one busy, she knows bad things will follow. Eventually, we'll probably have to let someone go because we're paying for that time. The nice thing about working here is everyone's paid when they're here. We don't make someone sit around for eight hours and hope to get one client to get one, you know, pay for that one client. Yeah, so I think I like to sum up what you guys just talked about as yeah. an individualistic culture versus a team culture. And I love hearing you guys talk about this because you're so passionate about it and it really has changed your, I mean, it's changed your lives because it's changed your whole salon. But for someone listening who's never heard about team-based pay before, they're really familiar with the commission culture and that structure. So just tell me what exactly team-based pay looks like in the day-to-day in a salon. Yeah, I mean, the big picture for team-based pay, it's actually, I always think they should change the word pay. Like, it should be team-based culture. Yeah, I agree. Because it's a culture change. It's not just a pay structure. In fact, a lot of people go, well, we're team-based pay because we pay what is hourly plus bonus. That is the basic of you know, team-based pay. It's an hourly plus bonus where every hour someone's in your salon, they're getting paid. And then there's a team bonus and this is how you create team versus individual commission type mindsets where if, hey, if I sell a lot of product, I get 8% of that. Now we as a team are trying to reach goals as a financial goal. So we're like, hey, this month we're trying to get $90,000 in sales or service and we'll $8,000 in product. And if we get 98,000, we as a team get a bonus. And, those and bonus, everybody gets it. Not, everyone. So the front desk people get it. Yes. Um, it because they're part of that transaction. They're solidifying. They're giving a third-party validation for why they should buy the product when the stylist leaves and they're wrapping up. They're part of that. And to be able to reward them for that, it's great. It's yeah. really a team effort. It really is a team. And it, everyone benefits from the bonus, not just the service providers, which is an important thing. Because now you engage the front desk. Because the front desk is always overlooked. I think in most salons, they're just Completely add-ons. Overlooked. They're usually underpaid, overstressed, and they get all the blame for anything that goes wrong in the salon. And and so this helps at least validate their position that they're an important part of the team. Anyhow, back to team-based culture as we'll call it. what it looks like. What it looks like. There's many other things that they do. For instance, when you are a team-based pay salon, you actually have a set of numbers that you run the salon by. You really learn the systems. They give you systems to operate your business. So you're first, you're going to learn how to budget correctly. You're going to learn how to do what they call a cash flow projector. Well, what's, why would we want why, a cash Why flow would you want a cash flow what, what projector? Is, yeah. What's the benefit of that? What's really cool, and we never knew how to guess beforehand. Before, mm-hmm. when we would sit there and go, what are we going to do this coming September 2018? We'd be like, well, let's look at last year. And we went, well, we had this many employees and we brought in, it looks like $98,000. So let's just hope we make $1,000 more and we'll just aim for $99,000 and we'll see what happens. And that's just total guess. You have no idea because a lot of things have changed. Let's say you've lost a team member or gained two team members or, or maybe you were doing a sale that month for a certain product line that you don't carry anymore, whatever. There's many variables that change. So now what you really do is you learn to project what you're going to make that month by a simple formula. I won't go into that now. In fact, we'll probably at some point do a podcast on this type of stuff. But you can project your revenue by just doing a simple math, this formula, plugging in these numbers, and you go, oh, well, based upon the amount of hours we have, based upon how busy we normally are with our team, we're going to do this amount of dollars. We'll do $97,000, and if we can beat that, the team will get a bonus. And sometimes things come up that 
stop you from reaching those goals, but you can really get very close, usually within a few hundred bucks of what you're going to know. So that way you can plan your budget. Now you go, okay, if I make 97,000 and normally the company, let's say costs us $93,000 to operate all our bills, or maybe we're going to do a little small. Let's just say it's $10,000 you bring in and you know, you're going to spend about $9,500. So that means you only have about $500 to play. So you're not going to do any special spending that month because it's only 500 bucks different. So you're going to keep that in savings and just wait till next month. Oh, but next month I'll have more hours to sell because I'm hiring someone and we should do $14,000 in sales. My cost will only be 12. So now I'll have $2,000 and I can save. And maybe you can earmark that for, you know, painting the salon or doing something special or giving a team bonus or something extra that you normally don't do. Let me share with you what it looked like for me before I knew what a cash flow projector was or what my numbers were. I was renting a small little space on my own and everything was based on what I felt. So I was so busy, I felt like I could hire somebody else. And I did. I hired somebody else. And then she got busy too. And then it was, we were bursting from the seams in the space. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I need a bigger place, right? I I feel like I can get a bigger place. So I, I did. Got I, a very I, got, bigger place. I got a big place. And then when the bills started coming in, I'm like, oh, I feel like I can't pay my bills. <laughs> and so I had to get a couple subletters, you know, because I didn't know the numbers. I was just basing it on what I felt. Like I felt like I could hire somebody. I felt like, yeah. and then it would be panic a couple months later. It'd be like, okay, everyone's eating ramen. We're going to like dry beans and, and I'm going to, you know, try to figure it out. But knowing what that's our family, not the staff. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, <laughs> Clarification. <laughs> everyone's eating beans. Just being able to have concrete facts about what money is coming in will help you to know, oh, I can't take this on this month. You know, Before, it was just like I had no idea what I was doing in terms of business. It was just based upon what I felt. Yeah. So this is really great for anybody who owns a business who mm-hmm. has staff. Absolutely. Even if it's one staff, I would even say it'd be great to start with zero staff so you get a head start. So you, when you yeah. first hire, you're actually hiring with these systems in place before you get going. It's hard to change partway through the system. Yeah. Like we had staff and we changed over back in 2013 and some of the staff just didn't like it. It was too much for them. It was too much of a change. And so they left. And I'll be truthful, most of they were leaving anyways because we were basically having our own little walkout at that point. But it sped things up and it made it a little bit more like clear, like, oh, yeah. I mean, one staff member, because they're all being paid hourly and we shared a bonus, she called it communism. Now, she was Russian, so she knew communism very well. And so for her, she didn't like the idea mm-hmm. of we all share a bonus as a team. I was like, no, that's not fair. That's not right. What if I'm better than everyone? So it's like, I get that, but I don't like that competitive catty kind of like I'm better than you type environment that lost salons can create. This creates a much more we're all in it together. In fact, what we have in our salon now is we have some team members go around and help other team members improve their game because they want them to be better stylists. And they know by helping them be better, it's going to help the salon, which helps us all do better. So it creates this culture that is refining. And we mentioned at the beginning about customer service. This is the culture that allows the staff to really care about the client. We talked about the waiting list. One of the benefits of team-based pay is that the guests can go see anybody and you don't have to make them wait. When it's commission, you don't want anybody else to go to see a competitor because they might like your friend, you know, your, your coworker. They might like 
her work better than yours. So if she mm -hmm. gets into her schedule, you lose out, right? So if you think about what that does to relationships in terms of creating a rivalry or fear or instability, it really produces things that we're not super happy about. With this, everyone is paid. So you are paid to do a touch-up, you're paid to do each other's lashes. And because of that, people are free to do their best work. They're free to, to give the, you know, the best service to a touch-up, even if they're you know, technically not getting paid for that, they are getting paid. You know? Yeah, well, it's nice. Is in the old days, we'd ask staff, hey, a client's not happy, need to fix their lashes, and they'd look at us and go, not my job. Who did their lashes? And I'll be like, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, that's not my client, so I'm not going to do it. But the client would be like, I can only come back can, this yeah. day, you know, so... Yeah, they basically say, well, I only come in Friday at 3 o'clock, and the only person free is this other person. So we would either, one, have to pay out of pocket, say, well, look, I'll give you 10 bucks. Will you do it? Like, I'm negotiating the deal to get a client taken care of. It's ridiculous. But in this case, thankfully now, with our system, basically our staff knows they're going to come in, they're going to get paid for eight hours, minimum. Some of them get paid for more if they stay over, if they help out. There's other jobs that sometimes they help out with. And they're going to get their paid breaks. They're going to get two minimum 15-minute paid breaks so they can go in the back room and they're getting paid for that time. California, you legally have to do that. So if you're commissioned, you cannot do unpaid breaks in the commission model. You have to still pay them, but that's another issue. So that's nice. Our staff gets paid for their breaks, get paid to do a touch-up for another client, to get paid to do front desk lashes. We've had once at a meeting, um, we, someone raised their hand and goes, hey, why should I do the front desk lashes? Because they don't do anything for me. And we're like, well, oh, we tried God. to point out all the things that they do. And then it finally came down to, you want me to work for free? Yeah. You know, that's illegal. Yeah. You can't make me you work for free. You can't make me. And it's true. Yeah. We you couldn't. Can't. So we had to look at the system and say, this is not working. Also, when you were doing promotions, I mean, we don't really do this anymore. We don't discount. But back in the days when we did, we had staff members get really angry. Like, wait a minute, how much is this full set for? And I'm like, well, they're doing it for half. So it's only going to be $100. like, Crap, so I'm only getting you know, 40% of that. I usually get you know, $80, and now I'm getting 40 so this sucks. And they'd be mad, and then they do a bad job because they're mad they're not getting a full price for their thing. So it's one of those things like, oh, gosh, how do we do this? So then we started doing this. Like, okay, we'll pay you the commission on the full amount, and we'll take the hit as a company so you don't get mad. Yeah. So. Or how about this? Can you help me run an errand? Can you go to the bank for me? Yeah. Can you take out the garbage? That's not my job. Yeah. I do lashes. Are you going to pay me to go to the bank? You know, we had these conversations with people, and that's not the kind of environment that I want to work in. And the thing is, is if you are paying commission, you are buying those kinds of behaviors. You're mm -hmm. actually, every time you, you give them a paycheck, you are saying, I approve of this attitude. I approve of everything that I'm getting that I don't like. Yeah. You know. And um, we learned, by the way, you buy that behavior too in team-based team pay if you don't have a backbone. Right. I mean, if you don't aren't a good leader, don't have any ability to confront people, and you let people walk all over you, yeah, even team-based pay, you'll have the same problems, which we did. We've had the same issue. Erica witnessed some of it, mm -hmm. and we learned. We've learned, and I think we're much more direct, and we're much more straight with people, and we deal with the problems when they come up. But definitely with commission, you're totally buying all the wrong behaviors, and you're encouraging them not to work, not to help out the team when there's downtime. I mean, getting them to pick up a broom or to clean uh, the tweezers or go in the back, do laundry is really a chore because they're not making any money. And team meetings, forget it. They won't, they'll, they'll come up with excuses not to come. And they shouldn't if they're not getting paid for it. Yeah. They shouldn't. And that's what's nice. Now, the nice thing, our team comes in, they know every hour they're paid for. If a client cancels, guess what? 
they're paid. Now, sometimes the clients feel bad, like, oh no, I canceled. I'm so sorry. Tell them I apologize. And they feel horrible because they think Why they, they just, feel horrible? well, because they think they just took money out of their pocket because mm-hmm. now they're sitting around for two hours waiting for their next client and they're not being paid. But no, no, with us, the good news is you get paid for that time. You get paid for the free appointments. You get paid to come. Another thing too, you get overtime with us. When you're commissioned, you're supposed to get overtime, by the way. If you work more than 40 hours or more than eight hours, even commission models, you have to get overtime. That's built into the system. We clock the hours, and when they hit that eight-hour mark, they go to the time and a half. If they hit the, I think it's 12-hour mark, I think they hit, it's t- double time. And if they work more than 40 hours, hour and a half. If they go on the seventh day, it's also considered overtime. Or that one, I'm not sure, maybe double overtime. Anyhow, that's it. We don't <laughs> do seven days here, but if it happened, it, it, that's available to them. And we track the hours and make sure that they get paid for that. And that doesn't happen with commission. I mean, when our staff went to, we went to the IBS trade show, we paid for them to travel there. We paid them to be at the show on the floor. We paid them when we had events. Now we had an optional party we went to, Borboletta, that was unpaid because that was optional. They didn't have to go if they didn't want to. So we had things that they can go to that were optional, but when they had to be there, we made sure we paid for that time. And that's a nice thing. And I didn't have the guts to ask anyone, but I actually wanted to find out at some of the other booths, like, are you getting paid for this time or are you just expected by your company to be here by their goodwill? I mean, the companies that are legitimate lash companies. I'm sure they're being paid hourly or something or commission, but the ones that are like a mix of a lash salon and, and, and that, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're yeah. used to a commission model. They, they could be like, guys, you're just helping build a business, suck it up and right. we'll buy you dinner tonight. So be thankful for that. And that's not, teammates pay, I really think more than any other system, has the best interest of the employee. Their goal is to create a culture that's all about taking care of them. My job, Tustin and I as the business owners, is to take care of our team, not to take care of the client. That's secondary. If I take care of my team, my team will take care of the company and the client then will take care of the company by paying and you know, giving us pictures of presents on pieces of paper. So that is a circle of life that we see it and team-based pay or team-based culture changed all that. And I've broken that trust a couple of times where I got more protective of the client and every time I put the client above the team member, usually it bites me in the ass and I find out, oh my gosh, I totally got backwards and I go back and I apologize. And you know what? You're more important to me than that client and I will always stand up for you before that and I need to make sure I do that right. Well, you live and learn. Yeah, I mean, like when we're learning lashes, we didn't spring forth from the womb with tweezers in our hands. We have to make mistakes, right? And the same thing with leadership, we are going to make mistakes. The stakes are higher. It's costly, but no one expects you to know, you know, everything right in the beginning. Yeah. Um, actually, well, I'm going to go back and give an encouragement. I'm a little out of order here, but we were talking about, you know, the cash flow projector. We were thinking, uh, encouraging you guys to do it if you have one employee. I'm going to actually encourage you to begin to do this stuff, your profit and loss sheets, your very basic stuff, and do a cash flow projector, even if you are by yourself, because it is the foundation of business that will serve you for whatever you're going to do. And you can get that, by the way. It's hard to learn that stuff on your own. Strategies teaches that. So there are people that you can go to them and learn how to do this. We also, at some point, are looking to jump into that space mm-hmm. and help people be better financially literate yeah. and, and teach you how do you do a cash flow projector. What is a P&L? What's a balance sheet? What's a cash flow uh, statement? Those three reports are your most important reports that really tell you the health of your company. And if you can't, if you don't know what they are and you just look at them and go, well, I kind of get P&L, profit and loss. I, I bring in a certain amount of money and I lose a bunch of money and 
whatever's left over to the bottom of my checkbook is my profit. Uh, yeah, that's okay. But that's not all the whole story. Balance sheet actually is the real one that tells you the health of your company. Are you actually growing equity in your company or is your company going into debt and you don't even realize it? And there are ways of going into debt where you don't realize it. If you're doing gift card promotions, uh, series promotions, if you're buying a lot of product and have a lot of back stock, let's say you're doing other things where you're giving well, like discounts for stuff, these all can hurt your bottom line, and all of a sudden you can look at your balance sheet and you'll say, wow, my company's worth actually negative $5,000 right now. Huh, how did that happen? Well, strategies will help you figure that out, and then you'll start to plan a, make a plan how to get out of that mess. And it's so important that you learn your financials and all that. One other thing I was going to say, and then, Erica, I'll get to your thing, <laughs> back to what you said about leadership. I want to jump on that because I really think this is an area that we don't get when we open a salon. When you open your own salon and you have an employee, you immediately become not just a business owner, you're now a leader because you have someone that you're responsible for, someone that's in your care, that you need to watch out for them. You, you have, have a be, responsibility. Yeah, you have a responsibility for both them and possibly their family and their kids and whatever else is in their life to make sure that you provide and you give what you say you're going to do. And being a leader is not something that I think either Tusty and I were ready to do when we took over or I joined the team. We just thought, hey, you just be nice to everyone and you just pay them well and, and you be cool and don't get in anyone's <laughs> business and everyone will just follow you to the promised land. And we found out that you know we had a riot in our hands after about a year and a half. And that was because we were terrible leaders. We didn't inspire anyone. We didn't encourage anyone. We didn't really challenge anyone. We didn't train or teach or engage with our staff. We just kind of showed up. I would just hang out in this back room and crunch a few numbers and go, yep, we made it five bucks last month. Good job, team. <laughs> and then I'd, once a month, we'd have a team meeting for an hour where I would just drone on for an hour and everyone would look at me like they were pissed and then they would get down to the team meeting we'd high five each other and go well, that was an awesome team meeting and meanwhile everyone's, everyone's I could tell later was like what the heck was that that was like waste of our time so we weren't leading well and, I don't want to say it, it wasn't intentional to be a bad leader I mean, <laughs> honestly we, no. we really thought you know it wasn't the intention it wasn't the intention of the heart it's just now that with some maturity and some years under and experience. You look and back that. and you say, oh, if I'm going to be really honest with myself, I was not super strong there, and I yeah. let people down. Yeah. But that's what strategies will bring. Team-based culture, team-based pay, this whole system gives you the tools to be a better leader. They're going to give you systems that you can implement, and you can look like a genius because your team will like, wow, you came up with all this stuff. And like, yeah, me by myself. I'm a genius. I thought of this. I think it was you. You thought a lot of stuff at first that was stuff that I... Or just like your idea. Yeah, <laughs> just my idea. And then you went to the conference last year and she went, oh my gosh, this is stuff. Everybody else is doing it. There's it's a not lot, just you. Yeah, yeah, Paul's not crazy. There's lots of people doing this system. It's not just Integrity Lash in Pasadena, California. So yeah. it was helpful to learn these things. And then, you know, once you get the systems in place, you learn to manage the people. They teach you, they coach you, they walk alongside you, and you get better. You become more confident because you actually have a thing or two that you can implement and go, well, this is how we're going to do it versus like, I have no idea. I mean, I used to tell my team five, six years ago, Tusty and I were just too honest. We'd say, we have no idea what we're doing. So follow us. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, we found out that wasn't terribly inspiring. I have no idea what I'm doing, but follow me. We thought we were just being humble and that humility would somehow win people over, but it doesn't. Humility is a great quality, but without any strength behind it, it's kind of seen like a weak, feeble loser is what we were, I guess. So, <laughs> but we learned and the strategies gave us a lot of good tools that gave us confidence. And we've added other ones. We read books, we listen to other podcasts. We're always trying to implement changes. A month doesn't go by 
why where probably Erica would attest to this, where I'm like, hey, we're trying something new. And the <laughs> team, you know, not always as excited, like, oh, another change. But I think they're getting used to it, that we are always going to tweak this machine. We're always going to try to improve it to make it better because it's never done. Just it's never how done. we approach lashes, the same thing we approach it with business. I mean, here's a tool. Let's exploit it. Let's find out all the things that we can do with it. You know, it's how we grow. So you had something yeah, you were well, Yeah, well, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit when I thought that you were the Oz behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you, so you've so far you've said strategies and team-based pay, but I don't think you've married the two for our audience yet. Okay, so well, strategies is a coaching company. Um, think of Lashpreneur. Uh, we had Tara on, um, but you know, Tara, she does coaching for lash companies, right? So you're used to probably going to her if you've been following and listening to her feedback. Well, Strategies has been doing this for 25 years. Actually, they celebrated their 25-year anniversary this September, and they've been doing this for salons, like much broader, not just lashes, but for beauty salons, for spas, for nail salons, all the, anything beauty in the world, and even some other companies I know that have come alongside and Med learned spas, from them. Med spas. Med um, spas, yeah. Uh, chiropractic. Chiropractic, doctor's offices and such. But their specialty is, is beauty. Is beauty. So mm-hmm. Neil has been doing this forever. Neil. He, Neil Dukoff. He's an educator by his DNA, and he was a hairstylist, I think, back in the 70s or something, but He's written a book. Written a book called No Compromise. And he moved right into training because he saw the huge void in the beauty industry where people were running salons but had no idea how to run them. And he read some good books and took some good training himself and realized, wow, I can take all this knowledge I have on how to run a business and I can help beauty professionals run better salons because that's probably our biggest problem right now is these salons are just poorly run. And we're seeing carnage all over the streets of employees you know, being let go and and bad relations and just bad pay systems and, and employers going bankrupt and all that stuff. So he said, what if we start training people how to run a better salon? So that's what they did 25 years ago and been growing that influence ever since. We joined them back in 2013 after we were basically bankrupt and we were going out of business and we were a busy salon that was going out of business. By the way, that's not a oxymoron. That happens all the time in our industry. Busy salons that go out of business. Why? Because they don't understand their numbers. They don't understand how to lead a company. They don't understand how to financially plan for the future. And so they run their company to the ground. So in a nutshell, let me just give our listeners just a little peek into why we were going bankrupt at this time. The bottom line is that our payroll was too high. It was at 70%. And what are the numbers supposed to be? Your total payroll when you have everyone can be around 50, 55, maybe, you know, percent. That's everyone from the service providers to the owner's pay to the employees. That's where you're going to be in. But we were at well over 70% for everyone. It was like, I think just service providers was 70%. Then if you add, actually, there was no owner's pay. We stopped paying ourselves, which, by the way, is not a shocking thing. It's very common. common. When I talk to lash salon owners as well as beauty salon owners, a lot of them take huge pay cuts. Um, to own their own place. In fact, they would make more money. Almost 100% of them would say, if I was just working by myself, I'd make more money right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks I'm making millions of dollars. I'm paying myself you know, $40,000 right now. My employees make 50, and my best employees make 80, and I make half of my employees. Right. That's totally, or worse, one employee, a one person I met last year, she confessed to me, she has like six employees she literally makes no money. Her only money she makes mm-hmm. is through national training. She works for a national company. She goes around and makes money that way. Her salon makes her nothing. So she's taking on all the risk, all the financial responsibilities, all the trouble, pain, the hassle, the, all that to make zero dollars so she can go travel mm-hmm. around the country doing training, which I think is 
ridiculous. I mean, that's a terrible game plan, and it's a way to burn out, I think, and also why be in business at that point. Right. So strategies helps you um, fix that. So going back to uh, the reasons for our tough situation, our payroll was at 70%, <laughs> and we just couldn't figure out why. Yeah. So when we switched things over, uh, we were able to get our numbers in control. We were able to completely change the foundation so that we would be able to switch to an hourly and create a team that was good for everybody. They really help you figure out how to improve your productivity, which is they have these key indicators that you'll follow. So if you join the program, they're going to teach you there's certain things that you need, like little gauges on the meter on your car that you need to look at. And as long as those stay in a certain range, your company's healthy. And when they dip down too low or too high, your company isn't healthy and you need to deal with it. So one is productivity. They're going to teach you how to track your productivity. This will tell you when you should hire, when you should raise prices, when you should let people go. And when we were at incubators, there were big training programs, like a four-day training program, business school. And I remember there were people in there, there were the productivity was like 50% or lower. And strategies had, they, their coaches would have this hard conversation saying, guys, sorry, but you're going to have to let two staff members leave. Like, you guys aren't doing your team a favor. You cannot operate as a salon at 50% productivity. Now, when you're a commission salon, that's normal. That's totally normal to have a bunch of dead weight sitting around because no one's paid unless they're you know, working on employee or clients. So to the employer, that's advantageous actually to hire as many people as you can because you only pay them when you have to, when they're actually working. And when they're just sitting around, so what? Or a booth runner, again, no problem. They just pay their monthly bill. You don't care. You're just a landlord as a booth runner. No offense. If you're running a booth running salon, you're not running a salon. You're a landlord. And I know that's kind of probably for those of you who are doing that, you kind of said, no, no, we're a team. It's so different. You're not running a team when you have a bunch of people who monthly pay you rent and then they can do whatever they want. Or worse, you're not allowed to do what they want because you're saying, yeah, you're a booth runner, but I'm really going to impose my will on you and make you dress the way I want. You're going to have to fall by my pay system. Show up, show up on time. Minute, yeah, yeah. That's then you're, then you're just playing all sorts of weird games now, and the IRS will have a lot of issues with you if you ever get audited. Or the labor board. Or the labor board in your your state, which is California, that would totally not fly over well. This labor board in California. So they can come back and sue you for two years, by the way, for all infractions that you made. And if they hire a lawyer, they can sue you back for three years. So you really want to make sure you get this straight. We'll talk about that. Sometime we should talk about commission, the risks, and the cost benefits for being uh, commission versus booth rent versus team-based pay. But today we're just going to double down on team-based pay because I think for us, I think there's no debate. But we'll tell some more things. So productivity. You will learn how to control that. You also learn about profitability. This is a term that most salons don't have. They don't understand it. There's no profit in most salons. The average top 200 salon in the salon today, they have this thing every year that salons compete for, is being a top 200 salon. And they always ask, how much money do you make every year? Last year, the average was 4%. Now, if you think about 4%, Sounds like, oh my gosh, that could be a lot of money if you're making a million. But most salons aren't doing a million. Most lash salons are probably doing 100,000, 300,000, 400,000. So you're only talking about you know, like 4,000 bucks, maybe $8,000 profit. And I bet you once you talk to that owner, they'll go, well, that money was already spent on like fixing the door and fixing the sink and fixing this. And also we had some debt we had to pay off. And so even that profit that was there actually kind of evaporated pretty quick and wasn't there. And I can say that's for us. We've struggled with profit. And mm-hmm. that's one of our last areas that we struggled with. 
And God willing, in this coming year, we're going to finally see that turn around. And I won't go into the details why, but there's some real specific reasons why the prophet has been difficult. But profit is huge. And that's something that you can learn. They'll teach you the systems, how to get profitable, how to price your service correctly so you can get profitable, and how to time your services right. Because one of the things that people don't understand is your services have a time limit. Now, you just don't do lashes for three hours on every client and expect to be profitable. You have to actually have time standards. And when you have a team, you're going to have to really develop strict time standards that they all stick by so they don't have one team member doing a new set for five hours another team member doing three and another one doing it one hour well that's one's creating a different experience and clients are going to see that and they're going to be happy and secondly how do you charge that way you have three different ways of timing it out you can't figure out a way to price that correctly that really makes you a profit so you'll lose money another big area is staff retention they're really going to work with you and this is probably another big area that lash salons i know struggle is staff retention how do you keep someone beyond 12 months you know, you train them in lashes and then they go on and open their own salon. That's kind of the norm in our industry. They're going to teach you tools, how to engage your team, how to basically inspire them, lead them, encourage them, how they have reward systems, how they have bonuses, how they have benefits, by the way, our salon. Erica, maybe you can tell this. This is one of the things that's really unique about us. We actually have benefits. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up yeah. as, you know, more... I think we're doing a really good job of saying how great it is for salon owners, which we probably have a lot of listeners who this is their reality, you know, but, um, for a staff member, there are a lot of benefits other than just being paid, even if your client cancels, yeah. you know, so for, <laughs> Can you share some of those yeah, things? for us, uh, we have benefits like actual real benefits, like health insurance. Mm-hmm. So, my health insurance is taken care of. And as a beauty professional, like that's never, <laughs> never happens. And not um, just for you. Um, people have it for their family. Like yeah. Like I could put my husband Peter on it if yeah. we needed to do that. Or if, I, if we had kids, we could put our kids on it, which is great. And then we also get paid vacation and that um, changes depending on how long you've been here. But you just came back from your I did came, come back from a little vacay. We went to New York. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's one year, you get one week paid. After two years, you get two weeks paid. And after five years, you get three weeks paid. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, for us, you know, our goal is to make sure that you have time to recharge and, you know, get back that fire. Because if you yeah. have to work 52 days a week, which a lot of times when you're a single practitioner, it's hard to leave and get out of that space. Because you feel like, well, if I take a week off, all my clients will leave and they'll go to other people. And I don't want them to do that. So there's this fear. But here, the good news is the clients do see other staff, but they understand it's okay. They can see anyone here and you can go and enjoy your vacation without any fear of the world coming back and the building. And you don't have any more clients to take care of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Like if I, you know, unfortunately got sick and had to call out we have the front desk help and they book all of our clients for us and uh with a team-based pay culture like that that actually allows room for that kind of employee to be on staff where their sole job is to just book your clients and i know there's a lot of salons with commission where that you know they do have a receptionist that does that but it's their job to fill everybody's books and that's really cool or yeah like i was saying if i if i have to call out sick, uh, they can move my clients onto another stylist books mm-hmm. and they're going to be taken care of because they know they can expect the same kind of work. And I don't have to worry about contacting those clients. Or doing coming that. in and working double time, like yeah. eight hours, 12 hour, 14 hour days to make up for all the clients you missed the other day. Right? right, exactly. And you get sick pay. We have five sick days. In California, you're required to have three actually paid sick days. I 
I forgot about that because I feel like I haven't been sick in so long. <laughs> but yeah, sick yeah. days, which is great. Well, it's if you days. haven't been sick, what What happens what if happens you're not then? sick? Well, I can just say, hey, I'm sick. Well, yeah, there's that too. But I've seen if you're not sick in January. Oh, what happens if you're not? Yeah. Um, so if I don't take any sick days, then I actually get paid what I would have gotten paid if I had taken those sick days as like a bonus. Yeah, it's like a week free pay in January yeah. for the whole staff. Um, unfortunately, this year we've had a lot of sick days with our staff. So I feel like that flu was for. bad. Yeah, that's, that's what's for. Yeah. But I think Tao right now is our only one that's holding out. She's <laughs> not been sick, and I think she so she'll get five days paid. She's front desk, so our front desk also gets these same right. benefits. Yeah. So uh, what else? Anything else that comes to mind, or no one has to jump in? <laughs> no, I'm under pressure. I can't remember. <laughs> under pressure. Well, I mean, I think there's the pay, so much. The paid like. breaks is important. Mm-hmm. I really think that's nice. Also, the overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna get overtime if you work more than eight hours. Um, our team also does things like we do a team meeting once a month where we buy lunch for the staff. Yeah. And we do other fun things. Like we've done um, escape rooms. We've done beauty spa days, days, spa days, mm-hmm. and we pay for all that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are optional, but you know most of the staff loves and comes out to those events. And then we also have done things like, oh, parking's paid for. We also will once in a while just our celebration. In fact, Eric, you didn't know this. Um, you were gone. We won best lashes in Pasadena from oh, we did? Weekly. Yeah. Yay, I and, know. and best place to work. So we're <laughs> we're going to actually celebrate, and we're going to, I think, do it this Friday. So oh, we're going to cool. buy the team something. So we'll do once in a while these little fun things. We also have a thing called the Secret Society, where a couple of our staff secretly plan events for the team, disrupt or goodies, goodies or disrupt fun stuff. They'll buy lunch. They'll buy lunch. Or two weeks ago, they bought prizes. these crystal things with lights that you put no, on. Salt lamps. Sand, Himalayan salt, salt lamps. Oh, I don't know. I was gone that day, actually. So <laughs> little I mini it. ones are I know really, they're cute. really cute. Yeah, so that, that was bought for the staff that they can take home or put in a room or whatever. And so we, we keep trying to do little fun things like that mm-hmm. to disrupt it. And we only can do that because we put aside a budget now because we have a plan mm-hmm. and we plan a budget and we plan for these extras that our team will get. The, the French benefits that we want to make the workplace a little bit more fun, a little more interesting. And we hope to keep adding to it. We've been talking about this for about a year, but 401ks, we want to add those in. I think that's important to help people plan for their retirement. Mm-hmm. And there's other such benefits. And I know there's other teams that, I know one salon I remember we met, they buy their team lunch every day. I, wow. I, I can't afford that yet, but mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, like, what, how cool is that? I know on Fridays, we've been doing this where we have the team break lunch at the same time so that we can hang out for 45 minutes and have our lunch together. It doesn't always work out, but that's something that was nice to be able to have that again, because we're scheduling, we're controlling the books, so we can block out times and do that. Where again, I think in the commission world, it's everyone man for themselves, and usually mm-hmm. you don't want to take lunches because you want to get as many people in for the day. You won't or take Or you're so slow, all you're doing is eating all day long. <laughs> yeah, or worse, yeah, you're sitting in the break room, and you're sitting and there. And you're stress yeah. eating, because yeah. you're not... That's actually something... I think the biggest benefit is just being able to sit back and relax and know that you're taken care of. Like, I, I just know that I can come and I don't, it's, I don't want to say you're not hustling because I don't think that that's true. And one of my favorite phrases that I think I made up is your hustle isn't my hustle. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes people, especially women, get into this thing of like, well, I'm doing all these things and <laughs> for, and, and that's made me successful. And that, and if nobody else is doing it this way, you know, like yes. I, don't, I could go off on hustle, a please. rampage about that. Yeah. <laughs> so please. But it's so nice to just come in and know that I can relax and I can focus on the work and I can focus on being a decent human being to my coworkers. And then you can have a life at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. there can be balance, you know, mm-hmm. something that, and I'll admit, as owners, I'm like the worst. I mean, Tuss and Eric have probably both say, Paul, you've got to learn to take a break at some point. I actually like working, so for me, it's not a chore. It's actually a lot of fun, so I'm here a lot of hours, but the goal is for you to get control of your business, and they give you a lot of those tools, so you can have that free time, so you can get your financials under control, you can budget correctly, you can retain staff, you can, the other one is retain clients. They're really big on teaching, how do you retain clients? What ways can you improve that? And they give you systems to help you improve that. Other things that they teach you are teamwork. They really want you to learn how to communicate better. They give you lots of ways to communicate with these things called one-on-ones where you sit down with every team member at least once a month and make sure they're doing okay. They believe in doing quarterly reviews. I ask people all the time in interviews, all the time, so tell me about your reviews you've had with your former company. They go, I never had a review. That's usually the response. Once in a while, someone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I had one. How often? Well, once after my year and a half anniversary. You know, it's like, you know, weird. So. Or it's like, oh, well, yeah, they actually pulled me aside randomly out of nowhere because I guess all this stuff had been being Building. built up yeah. and I didn't know about any of it. Yeah. And it was just word vomit and made me yeah. feel like a tiny human. Yeah, this just dump on you and say, okay, I now finally, I can't take it. I can't take <laughs> yeah. it. You're, you're going to take it now. Yeah, that's kind of typical salon culture. And so they really say, no, no, no. We're going to, once every three months, you're going to sit down with each team member and they give you a template to work with so you're not just making it up. Again, they give you these tools and you, it's called broadband that shows you how to go over it. You have key numbers you track and then you also have certain, you know, soft skills you're looking for. You know, how are they good with people? Are they a good team player? Are they mindful? Are they humble? Are they hungry? Are they helping people? Are they just sitting in the back room doing nothing? And so you can talk about these other things and really measure it and help them to know what they need to do so they can get their next pay raise. Because the goal is to get them up the chain, right? They don't want them to stay at their low pay when they first come in. We want to get them up as fast as you can, as long as the company can afford it. And so this is really the tool you can use to communicate that. And it's every three months. So it's a big burden at first as a team, as a managing team, yeah. but we've learned to really embrace it. And mm-hmm. I, it's so better. I, it's so different. It's the system. It's not just skill set, but it's an opportunity to say, these are the skills that you need. This is where you're at. This is where we want to see you specifically the skills with the lashes, but also, like you said, the softer skills, like, you know, how do you get along with the team? Like, yeah. are you helping out with the... Are with, you prompt? Yeah. Uh, other things. So so basically, it gives uh, salon owners a tool that they can coach their team with. Instead of saying, you know, how somebody comes to work, their attitude, it gives you tools so that you can address the whole person and help grow people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So... That's, let's see what else was there. I think that's probably most of the stuff. I think their really big thing, their overarching thing is what they call no compromise. And that whole idea is, is as a leader, the reason why you get into trouble as a leader is because you compromise. Usually that's where the trust breaks. Like you tell the team, hey team, we're going to start this new initiative. We're all going to do this. And everyone's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then the next week, no one's doing it. And the, and the leader's job is that kind of keep everyone on track. Hey guys, remember we're doing this, but no, most leaders in salons, including us in the past would be like, okay, no one wants to do it. Okay. We quit. All right. (laughs) We'll try something new next time. And you move on to the new idea. And then eventually the team just ignores you because every time you come in, you're, Hey, I got a new idea. We're going to do this. And the team's like, okay, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Whenever uh, we'll see if that's going to happen. It's one of those things where your word doesn't mean anything. So strategies really holds you and says, guys, you know, when you say something, do it. Because your team is counting on you being that leader. And it also means no compromise, meaning like treating everyone the same. Don't treat one employee better than the other. Mm -hmm. Don't treat someone as your favorite. Don't treat clients more important than your team. No compromise. You have to have that strong line. You have to have a strong backbone. And, you know, Tusney and I are people pleasers by heart. We 
like making people happy and we hate telling people bad things. Like that's just not in our DNA. So it's really hard for us at times to be this. But I know Eric has probably could attest that over the years has seen, I believe we've gotten better at being mm -hmm. this way. We've had difficult conversations with Erica in the past that I didn't want to do. <laughs> Erica is actually better at these conversations than us. She doesn't mind actually, I think, being a little more straight with people. And she's, I think at the same time, she loves to make everyone happy too, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's something that I think is natural for her. But yeah, having that no compromise approach is what they're going to give you and they'll download that DNA and it may take a year or two for it to sink in, or in our case, maybe three years. But once you get it, it's gonna make you a better and stronger leader and your salon's gonna run like it's never run before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, I think we can keep going, but we've hit that run. Well, there are a lot of free resources if you go on strategies. I know that uh, Neil does a Monday morning wake up every yes. Monday. You can just tap into his brain on that. Uh, there's a lot of white papers that you can download from. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go on that real quick. The okay. Monday morning wake up is at 10 a.m. Pacific Western time, so it's 1 p.m. Eastern, and it's on Facebook. I'd say he does it 48 of the... 52 Mondays they are in the year and he will basically download and you'll learn everything there is about strategies one bit piece at a time so that's a great place to start and you really get their knowledge and their information also they do these free seminars about once a month or so they'll do a seminar we can go on and you can learn about their business so that's another place you can go you can look once you get on there go to their website strategies.com you go there you can probably sign up for the newsletter and you'll probably get the invite say hey sign up for this free seminar where you can learn more details and there's facebook and there's they have a facebook group there's a big one we belong to a private one that's amazing for owners who are in the system already but if you're not paying because you have to pay for coaching they're not a free system they do pay for it and it's not cheap I'll it's the entry level is like seven or eight hundred dollars a month and then it goes up from there so but it's so worth it especially if you're starting out actually it doesn't matter where you're at if you've been around this salon for five years you're probably near the fiery pits of hell as neil will put it and you need that complete changeover and if you're just starting out you can get set up the right way before you get into this and have a more healthy company because of it so either way you can go online you can read like tessie said white papers get, that they get have as on much it. tap out the free resources and then when you need the help then, yeah. Then, then you get one hour yeah. free coaching call. This is a big ad for strategy that I get, but just, you know, <laughs> they're not paying us anything. Sadly, I'm paying them a lot of money yeah. for their coaching. <laughs> they're not paying us, but we're so big of a fan, even with them, us paying, I, I want other people to know about this system. So yeah, you can um, basically get the white paper, get the Monday morning wake up, the website. Get the book, no compromise. No yeah. compromise. And then at that point, you just take that one hour free coaching call and then you can make that decision. Should you go out and um, get involved? I think the incubator is usually the first thing that most people go to. It's a four day business class, basically, where you learn their whole systems, everything they teach. And you know, you'll have to unpack it after that. Four days is not enough to really get it into play, but it's definitely a good flyover with enough detail that you can take a lot of that home and begin to get ready and begin to implement stuff. And then there's also the team-based pay conference, which I hope we'll have this out before that. And that's on the 21st and 22nd of October of 2018. They'll do it again next year. It's in San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. We'll be there ourselves. We are actually, by the time this comes out, we will have given away one free ticket for the conference. So hopefully we'll be meeting at least one other person there and I know at least three or four other salons that I talk to who are now, I think, believe team-based pay salons or thinking about doing it. 
So we're, our goal is to get more lash salons in there. I'd like to see a better representation from us lash artists working, doing what we do, but doing it right, taking care of our teams and building a company that we can be proud of that not only is doing great lashes, but also has a great culture and a great business system. So that's all the stuff that's coming. You definitely will have all the stuff in our notes, but it's going to help you guys know. But I think anything else, guys, anything else you want to cover? Or did we cover it? As I think we did it. We did it. That we was pretty it. thorough. Pretty mm-hmm. thorough. Yeah, we can go more. You can DM us. I'll, keep I'll, your questions coming. We keep your them. questions coming. I'll be honest. Some of these questions may require more than I can DM back. So I, and my time is becoming more and more limited. So I'm not able to call. And I've been doing some coaching with people on the side. And all that. I love doing it when I can. But I can't always promise that. But we will point you in the direction as best as we can. If we can't answer, like I said, strategy is good news. If you have more questions about that, they do a one-hour free call. So you can literally line up all your questions and, and, and just go all out on them. So that said, thank you guys. Such an awesome time with both of you. Thank you, Erica. Hey, thank mm, you, Tusney. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day today to listen to our podcast. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 